This Week in Tennis. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. My name is Phil Nasons, and they call me The Flash. And we're here to talk tennis, and when I say we, my radio partner for over a decade is on the line. Please welcome my co-host and dear friend, Craig Doyle, to his own show. What's happening, brother? I like the way you call it my own show now. You know, we can maybe change the name of the show in future or something like that. Get a little a little plug in for me and my business. Okay. No? Well, let's do that now. What, <laughs> what business are we talking about here? Uh, I'm back in the photography game. It's starting to pick up a little bit over here. Um, you'll probably know, like, the guys over your way are having a lot of difficulties as well. Like, I actually uh, i am good friends with one of the old U.S. Open photographers, guy who used to work for the ESTA. He's uh, struggling a little bit. He got let go from his position. So um, I know times are tough for everyone in this game, but it's it's good to be back. It's good to be picking up a little bit of uh, sports photography business. And hopefully this is the start of a resurgence and we can get some people back to work. Well, good luck with that. I'm glad to hear you're back to work because you were at last time I talked to you seriously about anything other than tennis. You were ready to hang it up. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not the only photographer who's in that situation. No. The, the cost of equipment is is high to get into the game in the first place. The rewards these days get lower and lower, and when you can't pick up regular jobs, it's difficult to pay the bills, and you know how difficult it can be to pay the bills when times are tough. Well, of course, and you know something? Things are not looking up here in America, which is why I'm still amazed that they're playing a U.S. Open the week before this week. They're playing the Western and Southern Open, which normally is held in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we'll get into that in a minute. But we have, there are 13 Grand Slam champions in the 2020 field for the United States Open, the U.S. Open. You know who's not on this list? is your pal Eugenie Bouchard who lamented about trying to get into the US Open her ranking isn't very high she's never going to get a wild card because you don't you know I don't know too many people and Colin Kaepernick can actually uh confirm this that when you sue your employer and you win your employer is never going to rehire you again and I doubt Eugenie Bouchard is ever going to get a wild card at the US Open she did play in Prague, though, Craig, and she did do well, like you said. A couple of matches under her belt, wins, but still did not get her ranking high enough to show up at the U.S. Open, Craig. Are you disappointed that Eugenie Bouchard is not in the U.S. Open main draw, or she didn't get a wild card either? Well, I'm not disappointed. I mean, you earn your spot in the U.S. Open. It's for the best players in the world. The same way Wimbledon, Roland Garros, showing open, they're all for the top players. They usually, if you're not yes. among that... Well, yeah, they usually are, other than, you know, you get a wild card or you might get in through qualifying, but you even got to earn a spot in that. Um, they're, they're not doing qualifying this year, so that's not a, a backdoor in for some of these lower-ranked players. But, you know, for the most part, you got to earn your way in, and, and they, they do take into account injuries and stuff, but she's not been playing good tennis for the last several years. Part of that, I think, has been down to her endorsements, um, off-the-court activities. And if she wants to get into the big events and sit at the big table with the uh, big superstars of tennis, um, you know, the Williams sisters, the Nadals, the Federers, the, the people who 
transcend the game, then she's going to have to play tennis. It's not about your profile off the court. They don't account for that when you come to the U.S. Open. They've got the superstars there already. Unless uh, you are something out of this world and you, you've had achievements in the sport of tennis before, you're not getting a backdoor into the U.S. Open. Well, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to question that one thing. If there were fans, or let's just discuss this real quick. If there were fans in, able to witness these matches, I'll bet you Eugenie Bouchard would have got a qualifying wild card. Well, they'd have to be doing qualifying to do that. I mean, maybe she would have got a qualifying wild card because she's got a big enough uh, drawing name from the past that she might attract in some kind of audience. But uh, the qualifying wild card, yeah, that gets a few more people in the gate during the qualifying week. Um, they love a bit of that, the US Open. You know, I, I know a lot of the locals from the last time I was there, we, uh, 2015, when, when you and I met up, um, the, the locals love the qualifying. You know, it allows you to get up close with the players, and sometimes you do see a few star names. And the US Open, they know how to work that to their favor. If they get someone who's got a little bit of star power, uh, they get a few more people through the gate. But there's no qualifying this year. There's no need to have people in uh, in, in the job because you're, you're not bringing an audience in. Well, that's just it. But you know what? She has a big audience, Craig, with young males. They think she's pretty hot. And you know what? And she's done nothing to uh, keep them from thinking that. She's modeling. And, you know, that's a funny thing. When you're modeling, that's actually to a real tennis player, that's an insult. Because that means you're not making it on the court. So you have to go do something else. Now, I never had to do that, Craig. And I'm very fortunate. But I wanted to get that out there. You know, these guys who and girls who are spending most of their time modeling, it's because they can't get it done on the court. Now, you've got some who excelled, but the minute they started, that became something more or bigger than tennis. That means you're out of work because the bottom line is if you're not putting 100% of your time and effort into the sport of tennis, you are not going to succeed at the highest level. And if you do, it won't be for long, Craig. Well, I think we saw that. I mean, Eugenie Bouchard is one of the uh, big examples of the last 10 years of that. I think it was in the, the early part of the the last 10 years, she, she she sort of came on the scene. She reached a couple of Grand Slam finals, Grand Slam semifinals. There was a feeling that she might be the next big star. Or maybe not, we're not talking to Serena Williams, but we're talking uh, Maria Sharapova replacement someone to really take the WTA brand onto the next level for the next 10 years. But uh, as you said, the WTA has had quite a few players like that over the last 10 years where the modeling contracts have appeared, the the perfume brand contracts, they, they want to get on board with these players and all these off-the-court distractions, um, unfortunately result in these players having a very, very short spell at the top. I mean, many of them only last six months. Some of them last a year. And then they, they start losing in the first round. Then they wonder why they're not qualifying for the big events anymore. And that's that's just been a... It's almost been a trademark of the WTA over the last 10 years. They've not been able to build many new stars who've stuck it out at the top of the game for the long term, able to balance the off-the-court activities as alongside the on-the-court success. It's, it's exactly as you said, man. It's, it's one way or the other. 
Well, it is, you know, and don't get me wrong. I'm happy that these young people have these things, but look at Anna Ivanovich from Romania or was it Serbia? What did she do after she started modeling? You know, there were rumors that she was anorexic for goodness sakes, because she was trying to uh, get as slim as she could in order to look better in front of the camera. Because, you know, they say the lens adds 10 pounds, unless it's me, because I'm down to my almost fighting weight at my age, thank God. But, you know, and there's, and like I, I've always, always been a believer, and I've coached for a very long time, and I tell the kids, look, if you, when, like one kid, a boy I coached, he got offered a gig to model clothes, and he asked me about it. I said, well, I'll tell you what, real tennis players don't do that. Um, unless they want to make extra money, but it's going to affect your tennis. But since you're not good enough to play on the tour anyway, go for it and make some extra money because that's all you're going to ever make in tennis. And that's the majority of them. Now, you also had Anna Kornikova who did it. She was one of the very first. Well, actually, Ann White, she was one. And also, Chris Everett was a pinup for a long time. But she didn't let it get in her way. The sad part is, is you've got all these opportunities, and that's a good thing, but it's bad for their tennis because you have to be 100% for sure. But Miss Bouchard, I think she should continue modeling because that tennis thing doesn't seem to be working out very well. But that's up to her, and that's up to her people. But we have two tournaments being held currently at the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center in uh, Flushing, Queens. They've quarantined them. And it's amazing to me because New York is basically a ghost town. New York City is a ghost town now. Midtown Manhattan is a ghost town. It's not coming back. There's nothing for them to do, so maybe they can pull it off. But how can you have a U.S. Open without qualifiers, yet have qualifiers for the Western and Southern? How can you pull it? How do you do that? How do you call it a Grand Slam if I don't have a shot at getting in there unless I'm in the top 115 or 120 or what is it, 130 this week? I'm not sure. But how do you get in? How, how, what, what calls it a Grand Slam anymore? It's just turned into, and there's no juniors either. It turned into a freaking joke. It's not going to be a great tournament. No fans, no fun, no nothing but tennis. And once you lose, you're out of the bubble. Yeah, I guess, you know, the logistics of what they've tried to do have come back to bite them. I mean, you need those courts at Flushing Meadows to play the qualifying. That's, you know, what the, the essence of the qualifying is all about. You, you and I know how great the qualifying is. You know, we've both been to the qualifying. It's a fantastic event. Obviously, it relies a little bit on the crowd to carry it. But um, you, you need the venue free to do that. And they don't have the time for that because they've shoehorned in the Western and Southern Open. And I think you and I both know why they've done that as well. They've done that because sponsors. And you, you, if you went on the USTA's Twitter, or maybe it was the Western Southern's Twitter, actually, they were actually showing the, uh, the courts at the US Open getting the sponsors transferred onto the boards and the walls around the court surfaces. Um, so that's exactly what it's about. The Western Southern Open has its sponsors. They're getting transferred onto the, the walls around the, the grandstand and the various other courts around Flushing Meadows. They're going to get that money in from the sponsors, and then they're going to play the U.S. Open. Yep, that's what they're going to do. Now, those kind of things, those sponsor boards are adaptable. You know, some of them are made with Velcro. I mean, it just is what it is. So that part, 
that part doesn't bother me as much as the lack of opportunity for the young people, especially young people in the United States, to get an opportunity to qualify or even play in a junior Grand Slam event like the U.S. Open would have had. I mean, you've basically eliminated all these things. The USTA has now decided that up until October, all junior events are canceled. I mean, this pandemic has done some serious damage to the tennis community, especially in the United States. Craig, we still have places. There are places in New York that aren't open, and yet they're going to hold this tournament. And it, I guess it is what it is. But when we look at this Western and Southern, Andy Murray had got a wild card. Good for him. And Americans Tommy Paul, our buddy Tennis Sandgren, and Francis Tiafo, who tested positive for COVID. He can hang out maybe with Novak Djokovic and Grigor Dimitrov and those fellas, the COVID-4, I call them. What, a, what kind of a mess is this? I mean, I'm happy that these young people are playing in this event and getting an opportunity to play, but at what cost is it overall? I mean, you ruined your juniors. Those kids can never play again in juniors. Those 18-year-olds, that's it for them. Uh, a big a big showing in one of these events can get them wild cards into, you know, challengers where they didn't get a point. You know what I mean? So this is where I come from in this. I, I'm happy that they're able to hold the U.S. Open, but it's not a true Grand Slam without junior tennis, without fans, without with people leaving, not even going because they're afraid. What is a Grand Slam without Rafael Nadal? There's nothing wrong with his health, Craig. He's not coming because he's afraid of COVID. And he's probably not alone. I mean, what kind of event? Should they put an asterisk next to the winner's name? Oh, that's a big question. And then the Dow point's quite a good one. I don't know whether it's, he's afraid of COVID or whether he's decided that this tournament lies too close to one that he thinks he's going to win or and he thinks he's got a better chance of winning. And herein lies the rub. Because two weeks following the U.S. Open is the French Open, Roland Garros, and the Terrabatu. That's a big thing. You know, that's why. Is, is it because he's afraid of COVID? Or is it because, you know what, I can't go and play on clay two weeks after I played on hard courts? <laughs> Which is it? I don't know. You know, he says it's COVID-19. Now, he's not a lying kind of guy. So, I mean, are they afraid of COVID-19 or are they loading up? Because Novak Djokovic is going to be in this event. Grigor Dimitrov, Marin Silic, and uh, Daniil Medvedev are all going to be in Flushing. And they're all going to be in the Western and Southern Open. So we've got a decent draw, but it's, it rese more resembles to me like a old-time Masters event or Series 9 event or whatever, Super 9 event or whatever they call it now than it does a Grand Slam. Yeah, it certainly does, um, simply because of the, the restrictions on the field. And I think on the women's side, there's even less of the top players have chosen to come. I think like only four of the top 10 players are going to be available for this tournament. So that's an even more limited draw. But I think on the women's side as well, you have the same situation. Players like um, Simona Halep, uh, are looking at the French Open and thinking, well, I have a better chance of winning there 
I'm going to play myself some clay court tennis in the in the run up. I, I don't see any reason to risk running around on the hard court surface when I it's not a favorable surface to me. Other people are maybe got a better game on that surface, or other certainly more competitive. Um, clay court season's coming. A lot of players are just going to stay in Europe, and and that's unfortunately a situation that's been allowed to be brought on by the the movement of the calendar, um, moving the the, the Italian event in Rome, moving the, the French Open, um, I think they're going to argue these tournaments that they're giving more opportunities to people and they're paying out the bigger money. Therefore, it's important to have these tournaments, and I get that, but I also think that these tournaments had a lot of liabilities that they had to pay for in terms of sponsors and TV deals that they would have had to pay out on if they didn't put them on. So... It's it's a really really political world, tennis at the minute. It's nothing's quite as cut and dried as it looks on the surface. Don't believe what you're being told. There's a lot of politics behind the scenes, a lot of movement behind the scenes, both from the players, from the tournaments, um, from the governing bodies as well. Um, everyone's out to do the best they can for themselves. Don't think that anyone's doing any favors for anyone else. Well, that's just it now. On the ladies' side of the draw, as we talked about the men in the Western and Southern, we have some wild cards. Katie McNally, she got a wild card. She deserves it. Plus, you know what? Isn't she a Coco Goff's doubles partner? Yes, she is. So maybe that has something to do with this. And then Kim Kleisters got a wild card. Naomi Osaka took a wild card. Why she needs one, I have no idea. Um, Sloane Stevens had to get a wild card. And Venus Williams got a wild card because of the smaller draw. Now, I think those ladies, except for Kleisters, who she did get a wild card for the U.S. Open, all of them will be there. I think Sloane Stevens' ranking is still high enough for her to get a, to get in, in the main draw. Of course, with all the players dropping out, maybe she'll be seated again in the top 16. Who knows? But... It looks like a very good draw, dude. Um, it, and I was really surprised. I mean, you're looking at Carolina Pliskova's in there, Sophia Kennan, who's the o- who's the only major winner this season on the women's side because they've only played one. You've got Serena Williams. You've got Arnia Sabalenka. She's not bad. Petra Kitova will be there. Madison Keys. She's a former winner of this one. Um, let me see who else. Gavrine Magaruza, Muguruza. She's all right, too. I don't have my glasses, Craig, because I was chatting with my neighbors. Allison Risky is in there. Look, a nice Greek girl. Maria Sakari is also in there. These girls have a chance to win. It looks like a good draw to me. I mean, there are Jennifer Brady, who had a fantastic uh, tournament last week, which we missed, <laughs> which is okay. But, uh, you know, there's some good players. Heather Watson's in there, your, your girl from Great Britain. Coco Goff is in there. She's ranked 52 now. That's not bad. And Victoria Azarenka and Elise Cornette. This is not going to be a bad draw. I think, you know what? This seems like a target-rich environment to make some money on the women's side of things. What do you think about this tournament as far as betting on these events? I think it's going to be a lot more stable than it has been last week. I think you're going to start to see the patterns emerging that you would expect to see. 
um, previously. So, you know, last week you, you had like so Serena Williams went out quite early. You had a surprise winner. Um, you, you had a, a few surprise results, not just uh, in Lexington, but also in, in Prague. So I've, I think like this week we're starting to get down to the serious business. This is where the tune-up really begins. These players are getting to hit on the courts that they're going to be playing the U.S. Open on. Um, the motivation is going to start to increase the you know the, the big prize money comes up in a couple of weeks time for the top players the, the chance to win the slam comes up in a couple of weeks so you're going to start seeing a lot more regular results i think you're going to i don't think you're going to see big shocks like we, we have done the last few weeks where players are coming out and they're having their first hit this is going to be more routine i think the betting is going to be a little bit safer this this week um, and I think anyone who really wants to bet on the U.S. Open, this is a week to pay attention because you're going to get a real good look at these players playing on the same courts that they're going to be playing on in two weeks' time. That's right, and the tournament concludes on the 28th of August, so there's plenty of opportunities. One of the things that I'm looking at is how many matches these girls have played. We're talking about the women now. We'll get to the men in a minute. But how many of these players have actually played real matches in real situations? And, and I think that those players will have an edge over some of these gals, except Sloane Stevens, who doesn't seem to win anymore. I don't know what happened to her, but, uh, you know, maybe, well, never mind. I, I have to be more positive about Sloane. That's what their people tell me. You need to be more positive. Okay. She's positively been awful since, in, in, for the greater part of a year. So maybe betting against her is not a bad idea. I wish we had the draw in front of us, but they aren't holding anything until tomorrow. And that's when the qualifiers come out. So I wouldn't look for a draw until probably Friday. But who's someone that you think we can pick on uh, in this women's side of things when we uh, look to bet? Somebody who who's going to be a favorite but shouldn't be and an underdog can take them out. Um, I would look for anyone who might have just come into the country in the last sort of week or so and hasn't played a tournament. So, you know, stay away from the Williams sisters. You know, they've played a couple of games on on hard court surface already. You're looking for anyone who's come in perhaps from the, uh, sorry, the, the European tournaments or anyone who's been hitting on clay and come in. Um, I think, you know, you might see someone like Karolina Pliskova take a dive in the first round. Um, I, I don't know how, how she's been performing, but, um, yeah, why not? I, I see someone like that as being someone who's going to be quite heavily favored. Um, but if she comes up against, you know, an American who's perhaps been playing for three, four, five, six weeks, um, on hard court surfaces, if she gets a bad draw, I think someone like that could easily go in the first round. But, you know, it depends on the draw. It's difficult without the draw to pick on a player and say they're going to lose in the first round because you don't know who they're up against. Um, but certainly, uh, look for me, look at people who haven't played in the last two weeks or look at players who have come in from the Prague tournament to play here. Those are the players I think will be susceptible to perhaps losing in the first round if they don't get the best draw. You know what? That's exactly right. 
and the another thing that I would look at because this is a pandemic and you have to kind of adjust things like with everything else. And I would think that uh, perhaps you want to pick somebody who has nothing to gain from winning this event. Avoid them. In fact, bet against them. I wouldn't. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to take out. You're you're going to go up against Serena Williams and bet against Serena. But Serena doesn't give a rip if she wins this tournament. She's just trying to get into some kind of rhythm so that she can compete and hopefully win her record-setting 25th major, right? 25. She's got 24 now, right? She would take over Margaret Court and take Margaret Court's name off the freaking uh, docket forever, right? Wipe her right off the history books. (laughs) That would not please the Australians, and that will probably mean less wild cards if they play a US, uh, Australian Open in January. But let me see who else would you but two I'm sorry, I have two players that I think might do well in this event. Maria Sakari from Greece. She knows how to play on hard courts. Believe me, she does. Just trust me on that. And the one I like the best is Ekaterina Alexandrova. Now that girl, that girl was playing pretty good at the end of last year, if you remember, especially in China. She, she did really well in Asia, I think. It was there or it was right after Asia. But needless to say, she plays well and she's not afraid of anybody. She's a Russian, so she shouldn't be afraid of anybody. Those are my two players that I really like, and I hope that they're underdogs in their first round match. Is there anybody that you really like in this tournament? on the women's side before we swing over to the men's? Yeah, sure. Uh, assuming that she's going to play um, and she's Russian as well, or, well, she's American now, is uh, the Australian Open champion, Sophia Kennan. She was not playing particularly well in any of the warm-ups that I saw, um, but I think we're back to the big time now, and I think... Think I would. I think she'll be the number one seeded American player in the tournament because I think she's probably ranked in the quite high in the top ten at the moment. So I, yeah, I, I like Sophia Kennan. I think she's going to try and put a little bit of a run together now that we're back um, in business. And not only do I see her as being a threat here, but I think um, in a couple of weeks' time when the U.S. Open starts as well. She's only ever made it as far as a third round in the U.S. Open. That's going to change this year. That's for sure. Well, that should. Is there anyone else that you like? Uh, are we looking for someone near the top, or are you looking for... You know what? Here's someone I like. Kim Kleisters. You know what? I think she will surprise a few people. I think so, too, because, first of all, she's Belgian. Second of all, that girl is not going to go out on a tour and embarrass herself. She's a Hall of Famer. She's not going to do that unless she knows she can play. This isn't a money grab for her. This is just... This is a girl who just wants to play tennis and a mom who wants to play tennis. And we saw what happened in her last comeback when she came back from, or was it her first comeback? I don't know if I lose track of how many comebacks she's had, but that's a bright face. I like that pick. That's a ballsy pick. So there you have a few picks of names who could possibly win you some money as underdogs. Cause I think Kim Kleisters, I don't think the odds makers are going to appreciate her as much as we do. So we'll have to see. Now, the men's side of things. Now, we've already told you the wild cards, but Novak Djokovic is likely the number one seed. Um, Dominic, Dominic Thiem is allegedly going to be there, and Daniel Medvedev is going to be there. 
Stefanos Sisipas is going to be there allegedly I can't call I can't confirm that yet David Goffin is probably another name that you might like and then you got this other kid Matteo Berrettini who had a really good finish to last year I'm not so sure where he's at now and then look Diego Schwartzman now there's a guy who makes me money because usually he is on the bottom half of the uh odds machine and always an underdog for some reason or whatever and maybe that's because they don't watch another guy i like in this one andre rublev from russia remember him dude he had a good year last year dennis shapilov my old friend from canada of all things he's there and grigor dimitrov i've already mentioned him john isner isn't a guy who could do damage in this what do you think about this lineup for the men's side the alleged lineup because we really don't know for sure although we have a good idea <laughs> yeah it's it's a stronger lineup than the women's field i mean obviously you're missing federer and nadal and th- those are two massive misses and i think um stan vowrink has already confirmed he's not going to be there and neither is Gael monfis but um, you've got a pretty strong lineup. You've got a mixture of youth and experience there. Um, on the experience end of things, obviously Djokovic, but everyone else um, that you mentioned there, the likes of um, Medvedev, Zverev, Sipsipas, Berrettini, all these guys are in their early 20s. You've got a lot of young, hungry guys who will see this as uh, the big opportunity for them to cash in on a Grand Slam at a time where you're missing guys like Federer and Nadal because it's it's not beating Djokovic that's the problem. I mean, that's difficult enough on its own on a hard court. But if you've got to play Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal before you come to Djokovic, that's when things start to become difficult. And that's what over the last few years these guys just haven't been able to do. You know, they'll take out one of these guys, but the effort that it takes them to get rid of a Nadal or a Federer or a Djokovic means that if you run into the one of these guys the next round it's takes that effort again and these these young guys have just not shown the ability to be able to do that two matches in a row but this is going to be the tournament for a lot of these young guys to make that breakthrough and perhaps one of them can get their hands on a big one at last andy murray's my dark horse You, it's a difficult one. Did you hear you that know? right? Did, you heard that, didn't you? Andy Murray I heard that, dark yeah. horse. You, you don't know where his fitness is going to be, but like he's dangerous because he's been there before. If he can get anywhere, you know, 90% away fit, he's going to cause a lot of people problems. Um, certainly, you know, he's not going to be seated. He's going to come in here and you don't want to draw that guy early on in this tournament, um, certainly if you're a big name, because he can cause you a lot of difficulties. Yes, he can. He knows how to play on Deco turf also. He had a guy help him a long time ago. It was hard work, but I heard it went well. Um, because he turned around and won the U.S. Open as a junior. The the thing about the Deco turf, and a lot of people don't understand that, I had Deco turf in Greece. I, I specifically asked for that, and they provided it for me in there in Corfu and I was so happy about it is because it's a cushiony surface but the other thing is is you can control the speed how fast the court's going to play by how much sand you put in the paint when you surface the courts now these courts haven't been played on at all this year until they showed up in the last few days or they haven't played the outdoor courts 
at all, probably, because the pandemic hit in the spring and they closed right away. So uh, we don't know how fast they're playing. And these guys are quarantined and they're not saying much, um, perhaps because they've been instructed not to. Uh, but one thing is clear, there's grumblings about nothing to do. And I would think during a pandemic that wouldn't be such a bad thing because why would you want to go out and put yourself in harm's way? I know the guys like to go out and hook up with New York City girls, and that's fine, but that ain't going to happen there for sure. I don't care how rich or famous you are. Um, there's nowhere to meet them. They're not going to be at the hotel. They're not going to be anywhere. So it's going to be tough. They'll be awake. But I like what you say about all these names of your guys. You know who else I think is a dark horse? Kevin Anderson, who had to take an injury exemption to keep his ranking because he got hurt. And Kevin Anderson is a dangerous player on this type of surface because, you know, Deco Turf, they can set it so it doesn't really favor a hard court player and it doesn't hinder a clay court player like some of the other places, like in Cincinnati, for example, and the Australian Open. And I think Kevin Anderson is a bulldog, and this is something he would love to win. He would love to come back from injury and win this event, and he's got the goods to do it. So that's another one of my dark horses there. Well, he's had a good U.S. Open before, you know. He's he's gone the distance before, and he, he's come close to to bringing home a slam before. So he, he's got the experience there uh, that, that might just uh, prove to be useful. Um, you know who's not going to win this? Who? I'm going to give you a name of someone who's 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 reached a final before who won't win it, and that's Kane Ishikori because he's got COVID-19 at the minute. All right, he's not even going to be there. You know, that's the other well, thing. Well, we, we don't know. We think that he might be there, but he, he's going to miss the Western and Southern, which means he's going to miss the chance to play on the courts. But, um, you know, he's down there in Florida, down at that uh, IMG Academy. He is um, with his coach, Michael Chang. Yeah, he is. So they're isolating. They're not going to be coming up till later. And that's got to be worrying a few of the other players that he's going to be arriving on the scene, um, having been confirmed for COVID-19. And that it may actually impact on a number of other players who are down there at that academy. Um, so we could see a few late dropouts from these jaws. So, you know, for the listeners out there, just be aware that not to put any bets on too early because anyone who's been training down in that academy been in contact with that academy in the last few weeks may be dropping out of these jaws before the U.S. Open gets going. But we'll keep you up to date on that on the show um, when we do our U.S. Open preview, I'm sure, in about two weeks' time. Right, less than two weeks' time. We'll probably start getting into it next week because next week will be the 26th. That's two days before this ends, and the, and the U.S. Open begins right after. So we'll probably get into it next week at some point. I don't know. We're probably going to sell picks, right, for these events? What do you want to do? Yeah, we can. Let's uh, have a look this week, and we'll keep an eye on the action, and then we'll get our picks sorted out next week once we've seen how the form is looking. Right. Now, I'm probably going to do this. Uh, I, I didn't say this before, but I should have, and we're wrapping up the show now. We've done a pretty good job of – talking about things in the dark because we don't really have any light on a draw or any of those things. But uh, cashwithflash.com, Cash with Flash Best Bets is open for business. Um, we opened it. Grand opening was Monday. I, I rebuilt the site again. I had it up. 
we weren't doing much with it because all kinds of weird things, but it is up and running. You'll find his podcast there. You're going to find our picks there. Craig and I will both be selling picks, so you probably want to get in on that because we've probably made people in the last 10 years probably over a million bucks, I would say, easy. You know, you got guys out there who are bragging about winning units, betting on world team tennis matches. We don't fool with that shit. We fool with a real thing, and we do awfully well. Last weekend, we didn't do so hot, but that's one thing. Now, this show is also going to be part of the Cash with Flash Sports Radio Network, and that you're going to find over at my radio show page, The Phil Nason Show. That's philnasonshow.com. So you're going to find this podcast in a couple different places. You're, we're on every podcast catcher there is. Tune in, iHeart. We're everywhere. I mean, if you can't seem to find this podcast, it isn't, it's because you didn't look hard enough because we are everywhere, Craig. I'm serious. You're serious. And we're going to take care of some real business. We're going to be careful, though, because your money is a terrible thing to waste. And we also have reputations to uphold, and we're going to do our best to keep that way because we win money, and you will win money too. Now, we're not really allowed to bet on tennis anywhere because no one's going to take our action, A, and B, I don't want to lose my card. But that doesn't mean we're not going to pump out winners because we have. And you, all you have to do is listen to the last 110 shows to see that. Now you're going to get our picks in writing. We're going to give you a little snippet of why we think you should play this thing. It's going to be a lot of fun, Craig. I'm excited about this. I am so excited to be on the air with you as always and working with you on this. As you know, this has been a dream of mine since I was 19. We talked about this at the U.S. Open five years ago, and now it's finally here. And that's evidence, you know, that if you really want to do something, it takes time. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. I'm sure you know that from your experience of building the site. You've got it up. You're ready to go. Ready to go. And so, and we are too. For Craig Doyle, I'm Phil Nasons. Thanks for listening to This Week in Tennis. This Week in Tennis.